0: Sometimes when they say the word church, they think of the building. You know, we have a beautiful building here in Fremantle. Uh, You know, it's a pillar of this neighborhood. Uh, And the building might be the first thing that comes to people's mind when you go to church. Sometimes it's the people, which is actually a great thought. Oh, when I think of church, I think of the people. I think of the people that I sit next to on Sundays and maybe at small group uh, or Bible studies. Maybe they think of worship or devotion, uh, this idea of praising God or or that you're devoted to something bigger than yourself. Or maybe they think of hurt. Maybe when they think of church, it doesn't evoke such a strong positive influence. Maybe there's something that's wrong with it. So we're going to look at probably what is the earliest example of the church that we get in Scripture. Matthew Henry's commentary puts this church that we're looking at specifically like this. It says, we often speak of the primitive church and appeal to it. So we look at this primitive church and go, oh, that's the way to do church, and to the history of it. In these verses, we have the history of the truly primitive church of the first days of it. The state of infancy indeed, but like that, the state of its greatest innocence. So we're going to look at this church, and the church was in its truly primitive form. It was at its greatest innocence. And although there's so much benefits to some of the stuff, just like anything in life, it has changed and adapted. So what foundations can we take from this scripture and go, that's something for us. That's something, a way that Frio Church should look at. The church that we heard about in this passage that Hannah read uh, is straight off of the back of Pentecost. And I won't get into all of what Pentecost was, but it was at a Jewish festival, Um, but this specific Pentecost, oh, I got a visitor, hey buddy, this specific Pentecost, um, he's going to be a preacher one day, I think, He's, he's ready for it. This specific Pentecost, uh, the Holy Spirit came down and were on on the people, and they were speaking in all sorts of tongues to the point that people thought that they were drunk because they were like, oh, I'm understanding what this person's saying, but we speak a different language from each other, and there was these many signs and wonders and things that were happening. One commentary says, the day of Pentecost came... commemorates the day when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples in Jerusalem after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Many Christians mark this date as the beginning of the Christian church as we know it. So this is what we're looking at. This is the church. This is the community that we're stepping into and we're looking at right now. Modern day, we would probably call these people, these are the on-fire Christians, you know, when someone first comes to know Christ and, and, and they're in that innocence phase and the world hasn't beat them down, you know, and they're just on fire and they're happy to share everyone and, and they have this overwhelming sense of joy, this is the church that we're looking at. So we're just going to break down the text. We're just going to kind of go verse by verse and look at what it says. Some verses will do heaps, some will just do one verse. Uh, but we'll start with verse 42, and it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostle teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread into prayers. So they devoted themselves to the teaching. We still do this today. The apostles were normal guys. They were fishermen. They were tax collectors. They were ordinary people with ordinary roles that came to know who Jesus was. But the difference with them was that they spoke with the authority and power of who Jesus was. That people listened to them because they spoke with that authority and power. Those of us that are in church ministry, we think our power is through the Bible, that we've been given what is God's word to share, that we can speak with authority. Uh, and we still do that to this day, and I still think that's a foundation of, of coming together and, and sitting under an apostle's teacher or a pastor's teacher, uh, pastor's teaching now. They devoted themselves to fellowship. Fellowship uh, doesn't mean just hanging out and having conversations. Fellowship actually means it was a set uh, time, a set specific meeting. Based on the Greek word that they used, that's what they meant, that, that we have a specific meeting that we come together. Uh, and they were dedicated to that. And we still have that today, you know. We come here on Sundays, ten fifteen. We have this specific time that we come for this fellowship, that we listen uh, to the word of the Lord through a speaker, and that we come for fellowship. Then it says the breaking of bread, and this can kind of be interpreted in two different ways. Some would interpret this as interpreting as a normal meal, and some would Interpret this as communion. Even in this text, you could probably read this one as communion and farther down as a normal meal. Um, but regardless, I love what a guy named William Willimon says about it. It says, each dinnertime episode in Luke, so Luke wrote Acts, each dinnertime episode in Luke is a time of fellowship, revelation, and controversy. Eating together is a mark of unity, solidarity, and a deep friendship A visible sign that social barriers which once plagued these peoples have broken down. So whether it means taking the Lord's Supper or eating a meal together, there is still so much value in it. This broke down social norms of of, of not gathering. This showed unity and solidarity. This is a friendship thing of being in each other's lives. And finally in verse 42, and they were devoted to prayer. Prayer is something we want to be known as, as the church. 1 Timothy 2.5 runs through my mind that there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. That, that if we want to have that relationship and ultimately know who Jesus is, to know God on a deeper level, we need to be in communion with him. We need to be speaking with him. So I think those are all really good foundations that the church should look at. You know, apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and the prayers. In verse 43, if we continue on, it said, All came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. It's probably another sermon for another day talking about wonders and signs, but it was something that the early church was known for. Wonders kind of meaning that revealing a hidden truth. They talk a lot about wonders after the transfiguration of Jesus. And the signs is that uh, the person who performs a miracle is special and chosen by God. And I think sometimes uh, we forget that God does miracles in our lives. I've always had in my mind that I wanted to write a paper, not that I should ever write a paper again. Uh, but how But how it's harder to live spiritually in places that it's easier to live physically. We're so used to just our reliance on things, you know? We're so used to, oh, I'm sick, I'm going to the doctor, you know? Th- that almost our reliance on who God is... Uh, Probably doesn't have the same faith or fervor as some of our friends uh, and some of the people that are brothers and sisters in other countries, where if God doesn't do something miraculous, then they won't be saved or they won't see something happen. I have a funny story of this in college. I, I went to college in the US, and, and I remember a friend, my car wasn't, uh, I didn't have a car at the time, so he was picking me up to go to uni. Uh, And he was telling me his car wasn't working for the few days. uh, But we were sitting in his car driving while he was doing this. And he's like, I didn't have the money to fix it. So I was just praying to God that my car would start working again. And you could go, oh, maybe that was just coincidence. I don't know. Uh, I heard one pastor say, the more I pray, the more coincidences happen. Um, In a first world country, My first reaction wouldn't be, oh, I should pray over my car so that a miracle happens, so that it starts working again. I'm such a cynical person. I'm such a logical person. Sometimes I would just be like, oh, I need to figure out how to get money so I can pay for my car to get fixed. That's the way it is. But the early church was known for the signs and wonders uh, and things that God did. In verse 44, it says, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. They had all things in common. They lived together, shared meals, did life together. A society founded not on the law of self-intent and competition, but on sympathy and self-denial. I'm sure some of it was really good, and I'm sure some of it was really hard. Doing life together isn't always easy. It isn't always practical. Sometimes there, there's struggles to sit in the muck, uh, in the filth with people, but they had everything in common. They did everything together. To this point, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. Can you see the deep love that they had for people? They were willing to sell their possessions to look after, to, to, to give... Uh, uh, any need that was there it reminds me of the command uh in john 13 uh, verse 34 and 35 it says a new commandment i give to you that you love one another just as i have loved you you also to love one another by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you love if you have love for one another how crazy it that one of the defining characteristics of the disciples of Jesus is to have love for one another. This community would have looked weird to people. It would have looked strange. Why are they all living together? Why are they selling everything to, to look after each other? This John 13 text telling us to love one another, that that's a sign of that they're a disciple of Christ, would look unusual to people. That people came to a relationship with Christ based on disciples' love and unity for each other. And in my cynicalness, I go, does that still happen? Do people see how we love our brothers and sisters in Christ that that brings them closer to who Jesus is. But we see that love in the early church, and it says that it added to their numbers day by day. So what does this mean for Fremantle Church? You know, we we saw the early church and what they did, And, and I think oftentimes we can see something like this And we can have various responses. One of the responses is, let's throw out everything we're doing. Let's just live like this. Sell everything. Let's move into a community together. Um, I think there would be some merit in that. But I think times has changed. I think there's some foundations that we can take from this text that we can move forward and go, What do we want to define us? How should the church look different now than it did after the day of Pentecost? So what foundations can we take away from this? And I'm just going to pull out a couple, and we'll finish up. Short and sharp, get you home early. But first and probably the biggest thing that I would say that we can see from this text is that they did life together. They were together. They were committed to prayer and Bible reading, to breaking of bread, to worship. So being in the church here in Fremantle, here in WA, across the world, is a 24-7, 365-day commitment. If when you think of church, you think of the one hour that you're here on a Sunday, we need to have a deeper conversation about what church is, because that's not church. That is a part of it. We do not want to neglect the fellowship that we have here. We don't want to neglect this time. I almost see this time as a Sunday lunch. We used to do Sunday lunch every Sundays with Brooks family. We'd spend that time together every Sunday. We were always family no matter where we were, but on Sundays we were together. We got to chat about how our weeks were going, about life, doing and living together. That's how I feel about this fellowship. So we don't want to neglect being together, but at the same time, we need to be the church wherever we're going. We are missionaries in our workplaces We are missionaries in our schools. We are missionaries with our family and our friends. So, although this fellowship is super important, and I'm not saying don't be here on Sundays because I think there's importance to spending time under teaching, doing communion, praying together, worshiping together. The biggest thing we need to think is we are the church 24 7, 365. Another thing is we should be involved in people's lives. We see this from the early church, that they had this unusual love for each other. We should have an unusual love for each other and those beyond. We should be able to know each other deeply. We should have people around us that we're sharing life in that we know when they're struggling, but we also know when they're doing well, that we can celebrate with them when they win, but we can also mourn with them when they lose. And finally, if we we do those things, we should be known for our love and unity. Love is hard. And and I don't want to say when we should be known for our love, that just means we get walked over, you know, anyone can say anything about us. Sometimes love is speaking things in truth. I recently had to terminate an employee um, with one of my roles, and this is with my sports role up at the stadium. And one of the, our key motivators in everything we do is we want everyone to know that they matter a tagline of our stadium is you matter. And me trying to think of how do I love this person in a you matter conversation when I know I need to terminate them. That's a challenging space. And it was one that obviously no one likes to have that conversation. But the you matter to that person was letting them finish up with sincerity, you know, to let them move on to something that probably will suit them better. To make sure that that they can walk out with their, their heads still held high. And I'm not saying every time you get to do that, that's the way it gets to finish. But there was also a you matter conversation that needed to be happened with our team of people. This person was making a toxic atmosphere for the rest of the team. So although they matter, those other people matter too. So when we're talking about love and unity, we're, we're all broken and fallen and, and have things in our lives that aren't going to work. So when I say love, it's not just everything's airy-fairy, very easy. But we should know that we trust God that that we want to deal with people as bestly as possible, that we want to be known for our love and unity even when things are hard. So if we can be the church 24-7, 365 days a year, no matter where we are, that we don't neglect the Sunday gathering, that we don't neglect meeting together that we can go deeper into people's lives, uh, that we share life with, and that we're known for our love and unity, I think those are some great foundations for us to stake on. Those are things that I'm proud to say, you know, I'm a part of the church of Jesus. So we live in a different context now. But I think those are the things that we're called to. I think those are some foundations that we want to be known as as Fremantle Church. So I'm just going to pray for us, uh, and then we're going to worship and do communion and, and finish up. But if you take anything away, you know, church is bigger than that, 20, that one hour on a Sunday. It's, a, it's an everyday commitment. So let's just pray. Dear God, we just thank you so much for your son and we thank you so much for your word and and just the ability to get to know you on a deeper level. As we discuss what it means to be the church and to look at the early church's example, we just pray that we live this commitment out. Uh, in all of our lives, that we know we're going to fail, we know we're going to make mistakes, but ultimately we desire to see your name lifted up above ours. And that the decisions we make day in and day out will reflect who you are more than who we are. So we just pray that that's our prayer today. And we trust you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen.